Welcome back to Interview You. This is your host, Lewis Shine. And hey, today I have a very special guest, um, someone that's dear to my heart, um, someone that you know I've linked up with over the last half a year. I actually met a little while ago um, at a basketball game. And, um, you know, a little bit after that, discovered his passion and love for the game, as well as, as, well as many other things that he does, which we'll get into. Um, but I want to introduce to everybody, Marcus Benjamin. How you doing, man? I am doing good today. I hope you are. Man, doing well, man. Appreciate you taking time to come on, man, out of your busy schedule, man. But I want to get on here, man. And, um, you know, I, I cater a lot of what I do on here to, to athletes and coaches. Um, but I've had a few people on here outside of that that have just had a passion and love for the game. And, man, I, I recognize that in yourself from a few conversations we had. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about that, man. So if you would, man. Um, tell us where you first touched basketball. Where did it first enter into your life? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I don't take that lightly. And certainly basketball is a, is a passion of ours. But when I first uh, started with the game, I was probably around 10. I was a football guy and still do love the sport of football. Uh, ultimately, uh, I was injured playing football in high school, and so I fully switched over to basketball, but I actually played both sports. So I initially actually had a love for basketball, second to a love to football. Okay. I can remember being out playing ball with my older brothers and my older cousins, and they would just wax me. <laughs> I mean, it was like <laughs> they weren't taking it easy. It was like, you know, 12-0, 21-0, you know, you're playing 21 pickup ball and you're getting beat or they're just not picking you because, you know, in their eyes, you weren't good enough. And so that competitive nature was was birthed in me and that fire was birthed in me. So I saw basketball as an opportunity to learn how to compete. And that's what I wanted to do. So I wanted to get better and I, because I wanted to compete. I hated losing. And I wanted to compete against my older brothers and my older cousins. And okay. that's where the love came. Uh, and then when Michael Jordan came, you know, uh, you know, along during that time, that just took it to, you know, another level. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you about, like, you know, just coming up, because I remember Mike did the same thing for me, man. Like, <laughs> he did it for me. Uh, that took my whole countenance as a player just to a higher level. And I was actually grateful, man, just to be able to come up in that era to see that. Like, you know, it's a lot of kids today that they're wearing Jordans, but they never watched Jordan play ever, you know. Okay. And so for you, what did that do for you fully, like in terms of was it like the swag? Was it you run into the NBA on NBC uh, when it came <laughs> on TV? Like, what was it like for you? Well, you know, that was that was it. It was after hearing his story of being cut from the varsity team and then, you know, going and working on his game and coming back and, you know, um, getting that spot on the varsity team. For me, even though he was, again, becoming this icon for basketball, it seemingly put things in context. Like this was a normal guy who didn't grow up that far from us. We were in uh, right outside of Florence, South Carolina at that time. He was in Wilmington. And that was about a two and a half hour drive. I mean, that wasn't far at all. I mean, yeah. uh, my, my mom lived in Myrtle Beach and Wilmington was another, you know, hour or so up the road. So it was like a this was a local guy. This was, you know, guy from North Carolina. I'm in South Carolina and he overcame the rejection of being told he wasn't good enough 
and he's you know growing and becoming this you know amazing basketball player so it was inspirational and motivational because he wasn't uh he seemed to be a superstar in that sense that provided a believable story in that regard man it's uh if i get to see him today man i'm gonna thank him personally for what he did to me did for me you know just by watching him man it just kind of elevated a lot of areas in my life and it sounded like for you you know with the game of ball that kind of was your driving uh, motivation as well. Um, so, Correct. man, I see that, you know, high school, you know, you you did your thing on the court, um, all-conference, uh, regional basketball player. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, where you went, and just kind of how that experience was for you. Yeah, it was interesting. I got hurt uh, playing football my sophomore year, and as a result, I just stopped playing football altogether, and I just moved over to basketball and said, I'm just going to focus on basketball for the rest of my high school. So I was a uh, a bench player, a rotation player coming off the bench my sophomore year, and I played junior varsity. But I can remember sitting at the end of that bench thinking like, hey, if I'm good enough to have a jersey, I should be good enough to be on the court. Yeah. And I made that decision. And so I just started working on my game. I just started, you know, carrying my ball with me everywhere I went, you know, spending, you know, an hour or two at, the, you know, on the court after practice or working mm -hmm. on my left hand, working on my pull-up jump shot because I wanted to play. And by the end of that season, um, I was asked to come up to the varsity. Our varsity team was going deep into the playoffs. And so they wanted a couple of guys from JV, you know, to go ahead and kind of get in the rotation and the flow of for the next season and start, you know, running with the guys in practice. And I was one of the guys selected, you know, to start running with the varsity. And um, so ran with them. We went to the state championship that year. We lost. And then my, my next year, I didn't start my junior year, but I did have a strong uh, uh, bench role. I was seventh man off the bench. And, you know, I had a strong role. Came off the bench, did whatever I could do. We went to the state championship again that year. We lost. And, uh, and then my senior year, was when I just, I was in the gym all summer, yeah. I mean, all summer. And my high school coach, he was our strength and conditioning coach, but long story short, he just said, Marcus, this is what you have to do to position you guys to win next year because you can't come off the floor. I mean, you just can't come off the floor. So it was an intense summer of conditioning, weightlifting, running, drills, and correct, my senior year, I never I never touched the bench unless we were. it was for a timeout. <laughs> you know, I, I played every minute of every game, you know, my entire senior year, led our team in scoring. Uh, again, first team all-conference, first team all-region. I was third team all-state. Um, and that was with one year of actually being a starter. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, Bishopville, South Carolina. Our height was no longer Bishopville High. It's Lee Central High now. Uh, we're known for basketball culture. I mean, we. I mean, we we put out some really good basketball athletes in that area, in that immediate area. So uh, that Bishopville High School gym, I mean, is is sort of uh, somewhat famous in South Carolina because it's just a lot of ball players played there. Ray Allen would come; um, he was from right down the road in Hillcrest. He would play there, you know, during the summers. This was, of course, back in the you know in the early '90s. Then, I mean, it's I mean, it was just it was just a hub of basketball. So just finishing that story. 
um, when I my senior year going off to college, I wasn't heavily recruited. Uh, I had a lot of local offers from a lot of, you know, smaller colleges, but I was a pretty smart kid. I got my grades together. And so I knew I didn't want to go to a smaller school just to play basketball, just to play basketball when I could academically, you know, go wherever, you know, uh, was appropriate. So I decided to walk on at Winthrop, I went to Winthrop to uh, walk on to their basketball team and uh, had a great shot at walking on. But you know, God has something else for me to do. And I I was not privy to the mentorship that I needed to really be successful. And so I made the short story of a long story is uh, I made the decision I wasn't going to play because there was a lot of internal competition that I wasn't aware that had to happen. Okay, one guy's getting the scholarship, one guy's not, one guy's going home, one, you know, it was a lot of that. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't raised that way, you know. So uh, it was just a, a very unique situation, and I just chose to uh, bow out of it. And I stepped out, and God has some other things for me to do. But uh, I tell people all the time, you really, uh, you really have to be committed to your craft. Uh, and I, and at that point, I wasn't as committed to the craft as I should have been because of all the drama that was going on. So uh, that's kind of how it ended for me from a uh, formal competition perspective so now in terms of you just like keeping that love alive even after that um what did you do uh what did you do to keep that thing going on the inside of you even though you were not on the team at the school like what kind of things did you do to kind of keep that thing driving inside of you you know it was interesting um i it was you know we have a mutual friend and you know he played ball on uh, on that team and we would be in the gym uh playing you know pickup ball and so forth you know during the summers or you know uh or outside of the season and we would be playing ball and I, it, for me it, it became a joy just knowing that i could compete against these guys these were all you know all you know division one basketball players who were playing on you know ncaa teams and they all knew and I knew that I could compete with them at any at any point. And so that was a fuel of being, you know, in the uh, in the gym, playing ball with these guys, going and traveling to Charlotte, coming up to Charlotte, playing in these games with these guys who played at UNC Charlotte and Johnson C. Smith and yeah. Davidson and being in the gym with these guys. And these were all basketball players who were starting basketball players on college teams. And there was virtually no difference between them and me during that time. So a lot of it was more self-fulfillment. It wasn't anything yeah. of anybody else recognizing. It was just me proving to myself that I could compete with these guys. And um, the love for the game just continued. It continued. It continued uh, um, to this day. <laughs> you know, it still yeah. continued. But just a real quick uh, laughing note. I mean, it was... When I when that was that was ninety seven at Winthrop when I stopped when I decided I wasn't going to compete anymore yeah and I did not go to a Winthrop basketball game until two years ago oh wow like I I I mean I just couldn't go into the Coliseum yeah <laughs> I mean I went to the Coliseum for graduation I went for graduation I so on and so forth but in terms of going to watch them play I just couldn't do it <laughs> yeah I, I just couldn't do it no, so I, uh, yeah yeah. So it was inter that was an interesting story. Yeah, man. That's uh that's interesting, you know, that that love for the game, that competitiveness. And, you know, um, that's amazing, man, that, you know, just keeping that thing alive and being around players and, you know, still exercising your skills. And so a uh, degree in business, um, master's in business administration, met your your sweetheart, which you've been married 19 years to there. And um yes. you you have um 
raised two children that were athletes as well. So now you got this drive that you've carried over these years. And I'm knowing that it didn't die at all. You know, now you have an opportunity to have two children that you have a drive. What do you do with that drive? How do you, you know, infuse that into, you know, two kids that you're raising? Yeah. You know, I saw a piece of research uh, many years ago. It was probably my first few years of being out of college. And the research was that a lot of uh, that the overwhelming majority of, uh, of employers wanted to hire people who played a, 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 a sport in high school or they played, you know, some type of college competitive sport. And the rationale was that, you know, these men and women, they learned dynamics of teamwork, competitiveness, cohesiveness, rejection, emotional intelligence. They learned these intangibles while they're playing their sport that, it, that are directly transferable to a competitive work environment and, and a, a competitive professional career. So I found that to be true in my own space that what I uh, indirectly learned or what I directly learned from basketball could be indirectly applied to my career. Yeah. Uh, and for me, even when I, when I started coaching, that was one of the, the main lessons that I would endeavor to uh, communicate to my players like, hey, it's not really about the game. I said, as much as we love the game, as much as we pour into the game and so on and so forth, what, what's happening, you know, between these lines, you can take these lessons and you can apply them in every area of your life. You know, so yeah. if you can master it here in these in this small space, you can master it out there in your life in this large space, uh, because that was an eye opener for me. And to me, that's where the love keeps coming. I, I continue to watch basketball and play it to the extent that I can. Because to me, while I'm playing it and while I'm watching it, it's not just about the game. There are so many other life application principles that I am grasping and seeing that the game is just a gateway to those principles. Yeah, man, that, that's really good stuff. The, the game has taught me so much, too, man. And, and it's funny because my dad was hard on me. And so I, I had to thank my dad about a year ago, man, like just after, you know, coaching in college and different things, I went back and thanked my dad because a lot of things that he tried to show me, you know, in a younger, as well as a lot of other father figures and just people, coaches and different things, man, that sometimes you take for granted when you're younger. But later on, it's like, oh, wow, that's what dad was trying years ago. <laughs> wow. So, wow. you know, that's what that coach was mentioning to me. And so, you know, the game, it just transcends genres, you know, right. it, it opens things up. And then, um, like you said, man, it, it helps you in other areas of life. And so, you know, now when I met you, I know that you were not only had your children and you were playing, but um, I think you were dabbling in a little bit of your, your AAU. You, you've been in yeah. high school as far as coaching. Tell us a little bit about your coaching experience. Well, I, I coached girls basketball uh, at the varsity level for five years. I coached girls at the middle school level for, um, I, did, I did that for one year. And I coached um, um, middle school boys uh, for two years. And on the AU side, I've coached a girls team from um, the seventh grade up till the 11th grade, which was this past summer. So just a, a varied dynamic of coaching experience. And it's it's somewhat easier coaching girls than it is for boys. It's almost like a pick your poison kind of thing. Uh, yeah. You know, whereas, you know, my, what I've experienced is, you know, 
uh, the girls I've coached, you know, they follow your instructions to the letter, almost to a fault, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, well, coach, you told me, I said, well, you know what, you, I did tell you to do that. However, when this dynamic changed, I needed for you to make an instinctive decision here, you know, yeah, you know, whereas on the boys side, they're not even really thinking about what you're saying, unless it's a high discipline environment, you know, they're just like, well, coach, I felt this and I did. This. Okay, you know what? So it's <laughs> been, you know, sort of that yo-yo experience. Um, that I, that I've had, um, you know, in the, in coaching, and it's and it's been interesting. You know, uh, we've you know not only coaching, um, you know, I coached my daughter for several years, coached my son for one year uh, when he was in middle school, but you know, seeing the coaching world and how the coaching world has just undergone this this disruptive change. I mean, coaching today in my experience in AAU circuit, as well as in the high school circuit, it's just not what it was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And I'm, and I'm not saying that, you know, as a traditionalist, I'm saying that in, in the sense of there has been an evolution in my, in my opinion, to the coaching dynamic that is not healthy and not good. Um, and I'm not saying that that's unilateral and across the board. I'm just saying, I, I've just seen a whole lot in high school basketball that really doesn't have kids getting better and kids having the best opportunity and kids. I just, I just don't see kids being the focus as much as it should be or as much as it is, you know, uh, promoted to be. Uh, and, and to me, that's challenging. I mean, I've seen great kids who have great potential, great ability, great work ethic. But, I, but coach, I've seen them get penalized because they weren't uh, let me say it a different way. I seen them penalized because they had other options. Uh, I was talking with someone about that earlier, uh, earlier, uh, well, this, you know, this past week about how sometimes you get a good kid who's come from a good home who has other options other than basketball. That kid, and although that kid is a competitive basketball player, he's a he or she is a really, really good basketball player. That sometimes the coach will look at that kid and say, okay, well. I'm going to prefer this other kid who may not, you know, come from a good background or good home and, you know, prefer this other kid because they don't have a plan B, you know, if basketball doesn't work for them, then, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. So it's almost like they slight the kid who, who came from a, who comes from a good home because they have, a, they have, they can have other options. Whereas the kid who doesn't have another option, they prefer that kid and it creates this imbalance in the basketball world where it's supposed to be, you know, the best player plays and so on. So there's just so many things I've just seen over the years that as a coach, I've tried to make sure that I'm not participating in. That it's not my job as a coach uh, to be uh, excessively concerned about, when I say concerned, meaning I can't choose which kid I want to be successful over another kid. It's ultimately these kids' decision who wants to move into that space. It's my job to create the opportunity. It's their jobs to compete against it and to, 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 you know, to put their best foot forward. Like a job scenario, right? You know, yeah. someone is applying for a job, they're, you know, they're, they're hired, you know, et cetera. When the, when the interviewer is looking at the resumes coming through, they're looking at that, por that portfolio of work. Now, what if the interviewer says, you know, let me call this call this person's friend, this person's cousins and find out, do they really need a job or are they just, you know, <laughs> trying to move <laughs> on? So, yeah. okay, well, you know, but let me hire this person because this person doesn't have a job right now versus hiring this person because this person is trying to, you know, just move up in the world. 
that's not really my decision to make. You know, it's my decision right. to look at the look at the resume and choose the best possible candidate for the for the job based upon what I see that's in front of me. And I just don't see that happening as much as it should happen in coaching. So that's one of the major changes that I've seen that I'm not necessarily a fan of. No, that, that's really good, man. And myself being a coach, I've seen a lot of that too as well. Um, to the point where sometimes in the industry, man, it's no longer about the game. And, you know, when we were growing up, man, it was about the game, yeah. you know, the, the love of the game, like and nothing else. I mean, not the kind of shoes you had on, not, right. nothing. It was just a straight game. So I definitely understand where you're coming from there. And man, with this passion, you know, um, there's been so many things that you've done, you know, just outside of sports, man, that. I personally, you know, want to thank you because I've been a beneficiary of being able to be in some of your sessions and different things um, to hear you speak about um, various topics, man. Um, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, man, and your agency and just kind of, um, you know, what direction you guys are heading in for 2020. Yeah, well, you know, this this past year uh, coming, you know, was my last year coaching. So I, I'm, you know, uh, my, my daughter has, you know, uh, moved on to a uh, – a private, not private, but a uh, a boarding school for uh, for advanced STEM curriculum, and so she's playing ball in that environment, and uh, so I, I was coaching her team, and so on and so forth. And there was some family dynamics going on uh, with uh, some people in my family who were sick that needed care, and so forth. And so I, you know, felt that it was the best time for me to step away from coaching in that regard on the in the high school basketball setting and in the AAU setting. So with that being said, it sort of, you know, freed up my schedule a whole lot more to focus on some of those other in, uh, initiatives that we had. Uh, you know, we lead a, a speakers bureau that cultivates, you know, speakers and coaches for their respective industries, which is very exciting, you know, to, to be a part of people and their journey towards success and significance uh, and to play a part in that, you know, that's a benefit. Uh, we also get the privilege of uh, mentoring entrepreneurs and helping them grow their businesses and helping them scale their businesses. Uh, we've, you know, been involved in the business sector, uh, you know, for the past 20 years after I came out of college. And so that's definitely a sweet spot of mine, you know, to be able to take the experience and the education that I have and help, um, you know, entrepreneurs and small business owners grow and scale healthy companies. Uh, so that's, you know, another initiative that we have going on. And, you know, as a believer, as a person of faith, you know, we do travel uh, the country pretty extensively, uh, teaching and sharing the word of God to as many audiences as we possibly can, uh, mm -hmm. you know, focusing in really on merging spirituality and strategy, you know, merging our faith in God and our commitment to Jesus with a sound strategy for life, uh, for health, for marriage and so forth, so that we're not you know, lopsided in that we are, you know, super heavy on the spiritual dynamic, but yet when it comes to our strategic implementation of biblical principles, you know, that's where a lot of people find the gray area. So we want to help, you know, reduce that gray area so people can experience God's kind of results, you know, in their, in their life. Uh, so those are, you know, the three primary areas where, um, where our focus is right now with um, my wife and I. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to bring up too, man. Just I know your wife is is heavily involved. Um, you guys are heavily involved in what you do together. Just talk about how important it is for you to have that partner that is right by your side and, and doing what your purpose to do, man. Yeah, you know, we met in college and we were, you know, married while I was still in college. 
Um, I was a senior when we were married. Uh, this year is actually our 20th wedding anniversary, this 2020. So we're both excited about that. Um, yeah. We both laugh and say, you know, that if we had, if either one of us had married anybody else, we would have been divorced, you know, one or two times <laughs> by now. You know, <laughs> you know, our, our life has been unique. Uh, our journey has been unique and even our personalities are unique. And so I'm thankful that God put us together. Uh, and even though it hasn't been easy, we both were committed to doing the work together, meaning our, our marriage is work and we have to, you have to marry someone that you're willing to work with. Um, a lot of times people marry for other reasons. And then when the work kicks in, they don't really want to work with that person. <laughs> you, yeah. You, you know, so we thankful, we're thankful that we were able to marry right. And we both are willing to work with each other to, you know, correct, you know, those uh, sharp edges. And, um, and so that's been a blessing. Uh, we've, you know, by the help of God, we've raised uh, two young, uh, two children, you know, young adults who are doing well up to this point, and we trust they'll continue to do well. Um, so that partnership that we've had in marriage has had a direct impact upon our children. Uh, they're away. Uh, one is in college, one is in, you know, again, that STEM school, and they both love coming home. They both want to come home at various times. They're not trying to get away and, you know, nah, y'all stay there. You know, <laughs> you know, we, you know, we have a, you know, a tight knit family. Um, so, and we know that's, you know, going to change to a, to a degree, you know, as they, you know, get a little older and have their own relationships and, you know, and ultimately get married and so forth. But we're enjoying the fact that, you know, we have two kids who want to be with their parents. Um, yeah. as opposed to two kids who are trying to get as far away from their parents as they possibly can. Uh, so we're thankful for that. Uh, she's uh, in school. She's doing real estate. There are several things she has going on, and I'm doing you know, my best to support her in those areas to help you know, create a context for her to succeed. And she's always been you know, there as well for me, you know, helping to make sure that the things that I may be the point person on, uh, that she's there to help it succeed as well. So I would say to to your listeners, I you know, I tell anybody anywhere if they're single and they're looking for a spouse or whatever the scenario is, look at your if your if your vision for your future is clear, the choice for a spouse will be easier. If the vision for your future is foggy, your choice of a spouse is going to be foggy because you know who fits your future, right? If it's clear and if I know that, hey, I'm going into this arena, if I know five years from now I'm going to be doing this, if I have a clear vision about my future, then you start looking at who's the viable candidates, right? And you're just saying, okay, yeah. well, that person doesn't fit, that person doesn't fit, that person doesn't fit, and you start narrowing that list down and it helps sharp, sharpen your perspective because you have a sense as to what direction your life is going to go. Man, that, that's that's the drop the mic point right there. That's, I mean, that that'll help save a lot of time, you know. And um, yeah. so that's that's very important. Yeah, man, um, I'm, I'm thankful we had that perspective when we were younger. I mean, I'm just, I mean, we were a part of a great church that you know taught us God's word to help us understand God's perspective, and as a result of that, it helped us not have to go through a lot of trial and error that other people go through. Uh, because we were looking for someone who was going to fit, not just where we were at that moment, but someone who was going to fit where we were going three, five, and 10 years down the road. Man, that stuff's really some amazing stuff, man. So you singles, listen to that, replay that. <laughs> All right, that's some good <laughs> stuff. And it, it definitely will help you and save you time and energy and frustration and all those kind of things. And so, that's man, right. as we uh, as we round this corner to, to, to wind this thing down, man, back to – kind of what you do, man, um, you know, just being around you a little bit. I know that 
you're you're fully vested into what you do and just touching lives and transforming the way people think and and see how they are, what position they're in financially and in different areas. Is there a a story or or a instance of you helping somebody that in turn just really blessed you, that it meant the world to you to see that change or just a testimony of something that you've been doing where it touched somebody and it just really just, it choked you up, man. That was something that really meant something to you. Man, time would fail. There are so many (laughs) stories that I have, man. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that, you know, we constantly receive inbox messages, phone calls, text messages. And even when we're out, we get those types of um, types of interactions. And so we're, we're blessed to that. And the most recent one, we were visiting a particular church uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the first Sunday in, in the year. And after the service was over, a particular uh, lady that we provided some entrepreneurship mentorship to uh, several years ago, maybe three years ago, she came up um, to me afterwards and greeted me and my wife. And, you know, we had kind of had some small talk and she was just like, you know, Mr. Benjamin, I just want to say thank you because because of you, I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, a real entrepreneur. I have a small business. I have, you know, three staff members that are receiving a uh, a full time salary because of my company. Uh, I've bought two office buildings since, you know, your mentorship. I've got a couple of hundred thousand dollars in the bank in our company, and I'm getting ready to buy some more land to do X, Y, and Z on. She was just like, "Wow, all of that is a result of your mentorship over, you know, that six to eight period month period of time and what you put in." into my life. And I just want to say thank you. So, 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 I mean, that is the most recent experience yeah. uh, of those, um, of those types of stories. And we never get tired of hearing them because we do what we do ultimately so that God can get a return on his investment. Um, and he used us as a vessel to help either in an overtly spiritual way, or maybe even in some practical secular way, but ultimately God is glorified in that. Man, that's that's amazing right there. That's a great testimony right there, man. That blessed me too. And uh that's amazing, man. And um, you know, just to hear those things, man. Like I say, you I know you got tons of them. So I, but I had to ask the question, man, because you know, it, yeah, it, sometimes you know, we help a lot of people, but sometimes that thing turns around and boomerangs and hits you in a way, and it's like, oh my gosh, like God is really using me like this. Thank you so much, Lord. You know what I mean? That's right. So that's right. Um that's that's amazing stuff, man. Um we always try to leave, you know, our episodes, man, with, you know, we get a lot of coaches, athletes. We even get some non-coaches, non-athletes that that listen in. And so we always try to leave them with something that they can take away the episode that they can say, you know, I heard a lot of stuff, but man, that one thing he said at the end, man, I'm gonna live off of that this week. I'm gonna live off of that this month. Like what is something that a principle, life principle, something that you've been walking by lately that you can leave with our listeners today that, that can mean something for them? Yeah, that's amazing. What I would uh, share with them is this. Don't focus on finishing. Focus on mastery. So many times we get a finishing mentality. I finished that test. I finished, you know, my my drill. I finished that that workout. I finished, you know, that proposal or whatever. And we 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 finish it, check it off, and we move on to the next thing. But I believe the concept of mastery is more important than the concept of finishing. 
Sometimes mm. we finish things, but we didn't master it. We just checked it off and moved on to the next thing. It's almost yeah. like studying for a test, right? You cram information in to be able to regurgitate it, you know, a week from now so you can pass a test. But we didn't master the content. We don't even know what the content is if we encountered it, you know, 30 days later because we didn't master, we just finished. I would challenge all of all of your listeners out there that in whatever area of life that they're in, whatever season, marriage, business, coaching, basketball, training, development, whatever they're doing, focus not just on finishing, but focus on mastery. Because if you focus on mastery, ultimately you will finish every area of your life very well. Mm. Man, man, man. I appreciate you sharing that right there, man. This is that's some good stuff, man. And I like how. Even what you said just really it transcends genres. You know, you you, you pointed out some areas, and uh, whether you're a coach, player, non-coach, any area of your life, man, that that applies, man. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. And the last thing here is, if you you know could share with our listeners where they can find you on social media, website, can you just share that information so they can check out what you do? Yes, uh, on Instagram at Marcus D Benjamin. LinkedIn at Marcus D. Benjamin, Twitter at Marcus D. Benjamin, uh, Facebook, uh, The Point B Expert, P-O-I-N-T-B Expert. And uh, our websites are all MarcusDBenjamin.com for anything business, living in the black for anything business as well. Uh, they can find our YouTube channel, which deals with uh, motivation, uh, development, et cetera, from a faith perspective. That's YouTube Living in the Black TV. Man, this has been so amazing, man. I wanted to get you on here, man. So I, I appreciate you taking your time out, man, to, to talk to us today, man. So thanks for letting me interview you, man. I appreciate it very much, man. And uh, congratulations on what you're doing, man. I know you're helping a lot of people. And thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be a brief part of that. Oh, man, no problem, man. It was just an honor to have you, man. Hey, guys, that was Marcus Benjamin. Um, it was amazing interview. I, I'm full as I'm you know, just finishing up the interview. But for this replay, make sure you visit my website, lewisshine.com. That's lewisshine.com for the replay of this podcast, as well as on all of my social media sites, at lewisshine on every social media platform. Amazing interview today. I just want to thank you all for listening in today. So until next time, Thanks for tuning in to interview you. We'll see you on the next episode. Man.